Welcome everyone. Harlebanon slash slash Daf Yomi. Shiur. Today's Shiur is starting a mem dalobet by the words Amar Ula in the middle of the page. Says the mission. So we were discussing uh, beforehand a machloket between Rav and Shmuel about a mitah that was designated for Ma'ot. If you have a mitah that you you designated to put money on it, are you allowed to move it or not? Rav had said that it's Asur to move it. And we asked a question from Ner Chadash. We asked a bunch of different questions and we answered them. Now we have a new question on Rav. Amar Ula, Mativ Rabbi Elezer. Rabbi Elezer brought a Mishnah. Muchani Shela, a wagon that has its own wheel. Okay? And, what's the story with the wheel? Bizman Shehinishmetet, if it is detachable, and Chibula, it's not considered attached to it, Ve'en Nimdedet Ima. Now, when we say en chibula, it's not attached to it, what does that mean? That means that if someone touched, if something tameh touched the wagon, the muhani is not tameh, it's not not part of it. The enim it doesn't get measured with it. Um, which means that if you want to see if your um, wagon is mekabel tumah, even though they measure it from the outside, which means they measure the entire width of the thing, they don't include the wheels in it because the wheels are detachable. It will not help with it in a better kebel, which means the following. If you, let's say you're going through the cemetery on this wagon, and you have you have some uh, vet utensils on the wagon, and the utensils are hanging off over the sides of the wagon. But they don't go over the actual graves; they're going over the wheel. We don't say, "Oh, the wheel is part of the wagon, and therefore." The wheel is going to protect the keli from the tumah. Rather, we say that the wheel is a separate thing since it's detachable. It's a it's a keli, and a keli doesn't stop tumah. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Nobody does. Okay, I lost her. I have any. Let me see thumbs. Any thumbs down, up? A little bit I understand. Some you, do, you don't. I do, I do, but yeah. Oh wow, good. Anyone else? Um, Jack, are you with me? Sam? No. Okay, so let me get it clear. So you have this um well let me show it to you. Hold on. Everyone see the wagon? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now you know that the wagon has wheels that do not go under it, they're actually stuck out. Okay? Now imagine the wagon full of clay vases. 
so full that some of them, some of them that are really high up, imagine you have a pile of 20 vases and the top ones are hanging over, leaning over a little bit, over the, the edge of the wagon. Okay, now the wagon is going through a cemetery. Okay, whatever is in the actual wagon and not hanging out is tahor. Anything that's hanging over the outside of the wagon, well, if the wheel was part of the wagon, then we'd say, oh, the wheel's part of the wagon? Okay, so then the wheel, it's the, the, the pot that's hanging over is not hanging over a grave, it's hanging over a wheel, so it's okay. But since the wheel is a detachable wheel and it can be removed, so therefore we say it's its own vessel, and the fact that it's its own vessel will allow the Kelly that's hanging over to become Tameh. Is that a little clearer? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. And what's the, that, those are three different things. Thank you, Jack. I see that. That's good. And the third thing is you can't pull the wagon on Shabbat if there's money on it. Now, the fact that we say you can't pull it if there's money on it, the Gemara is going to figure out the following. Ha, and alemao, but if there was no money, Shadi, you're allowed to pull it. Even though there might have been money, you see, you still now let to move it. So Rav, who had said before, that if there's money on the item, then you can't move it. Here you see his, he's messed up from this wagon wheel that if there was money on it, we said if there's money on it right away, you can't move it, implying that if there's money on it, there was money on it, you wouldn't be allowed to move it. And so the Gemara now, Ahi, that Mishnah, that Mishnah in Kalim, Rab Shimini, Achim Shimon, the Ledley Muksa, he doesn't know the Muksa. Rab Kariudala, Sirilei, but Rab holds like Yehuda, who holds the Muksa. Mara says, Hachinami Mistaber, we're now on the top of Memheya Muralaf. Not only can I postulate that the Mishnah of the wheel was Rab Yehuda, was Rabbi in the name of Yehuda. But it's actually more logical to say it's from Yehuda than to say it's from Shimon. Whenever you see the words Hachinam and Mustafa, the Gemara had said an answer to get, dodge their question, and they want to prove to you from the language of the Mishnah that not only is their, their answer a good dodge of the question that you asked them, it's actually more logical to be true. So how do we see that now? Hachinam and Mustafa. No, it has nothing to do with the fixing the wheel? Like you're fixing the wagon on Shabbat? No, no, we're not fixing the wagon. We're just going to drag it. Uh-huh. But if there was money on it, you can't drag it. Hachinam mistabra, it's logical. The Rab Kirudas Rear lay down a Rab, because Rab says, Rab had said a rule. He says the following You're allowed to leave a candle on a tree stump on Shabbat, but not on Yom Tov. So you have a tree stump. And you want to leave your Aladdin lamp on top of the tree stump. Okay? Now, there's a separate Isur 
of using uh, anything attached to the ground. You with me? So if you put something on a tree before Shabbat starts, you will not be able to access it on Shabbat. So when you, so Rav is saying that if it's Yom Tov and you're allowed to move the lamp around on Yom Tov, so since you're allowed to move the lamp around, we're worried that maybe if you put it on the tree stump, you might take it off the tree stump and you're not allowed to because the tree stump is Muxer. Not allowed on Yom You're not allowed ever, not Shabbos or Yom Tov, you're not allowed to use, uh, you're not allowed to step on or take something that's hanging from a growing object. Okay? So, or anything attached to the ground. So if you have a tree stump or a tree with a branch coming out of it, and you hung your coat on that branch, you would not be able to take it off on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Now we're asking a question. What about this lamp? So the rabbi was saying that the lamp or a candle or something, if you put it, you're allowed to put it, if, if you come to the rabbi Haber and say, Rabbi, can I leave this lamp hanging from this tree branch? It would be a wonderful place. It would light up my whole garden, my garden party on, on Friday night. So you say, wait a second. If it's a Friday night, that is Yom Tov. I say, no, you can't do that. Because since you're allowed to move a lamp on Yom Tov, we're afraid you'll be using the tree stump, which is a sword on Yom Tov. But when it's Shabbat, and you're not allowed to move the lamp anyway, because it's Shabbat anyway, then I would say, yeah, you could leave it on the tree stump, because anyway, you're not going to move it, because it's Shabbat, you can't move it anyway. Did I make this clear, Moshe? Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, Harry's here. Wow. Very nice. Okay. So, Harry, you got to get on first so you can warn us not to start without uh, the recording. Here we start without the recording. We have to go back for at least uh, 10 seconds. Oh, Come on, Harry. <laughs> Next time, Zat Hashem. Okay. Ready? Let's go. So, if Rav holds like a Yehuda, who who does hold a muksa, that's why there's a difference in Shabbat and Yom Tov. Because on Shabbat, we are we're not worried you might take it off. That's why we let you put it on Shabbat. And on Yom Tov, we are worried you'll take it off the tree, and that's why we don't let you put it on Yom Tov. But if you say that re- that that he holds like Rav Shimon, Mali Shabbat Mali Yom Tov. Why would he differentiate between Shabbat and Yom Tov? It would be a sure on both of them, right? If he holds like Rav Shimon, that you could always move it. He shouldn't let you leave it even on Shabbat, because even on Shabbat, if you're allowed to move it, you, when it goes off, you'll take it off the tree. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Therefore, we prove that it's Hachi Nami Mistabra. I got it. I got a jack. Thumb up. I got a uh, Moshe. You with me? Irving, thumb good. Sam and Hack. Oh, Ben, there you go. Okay, let's get started. Last word in line. Oh, I see Sam's hands up. Okay, good. The Rav give you that sweet of it. Says the man, does Rav hold like a view? That really? Oh, yeah, Rav holds a Yehuda that has muksa, and he doesn't like him, Shimon, who doesn't hold the muksa. Well, Baal, we need the Rav, but then they ask Rav, Maul the Tlutle Shraga, the Chanukata, Mekamechabre, Beshapta. 
They asked Rav, are you allowed to move the Hanukkah candles that went out away from the window because of the Chavrai? Now, we mentioned the Chavrai before. Chavrai were the priests of the Zohar systems, something like that. It's a certain fire-worshipping priest that was prevalent in Babel in the time of the Amoraim. And they used to punish people who lit fires out of their um, temples on their holidays. So a Hanukkah candle was illegal at certain times. And therefore, they're asking the question, if I lit illegal Hanukkah candles and it went out and it was Friday night, am I allowed to move my menorah out of the window after it's dead on Shabbat in order that I don't get fined or penalized or damaged by the Chavrai? Yes. You with me, Irv? Mm-hmm. Good. So says the Gemara, so what did Rav answer? Shapir Dami. He said it was allowed. Now, if he says it's allowed, why would he say it's allowed? Obviously, he holds like of Shimon. How could you tell me he holds like of Yehuda? Who doesn't hold that muksa, the thing set aside a muksa? What do you mean? If he allowed him to move the Hanukkah candles, that must mean he holds like of Shimon. Over there, it's different because it's a, it's a tough time when you have the Chavrais bothering you. So it's a tough time. Now, they, they tell you, uh, it wasn't a second night if I shot these Chavrais. They're not going to kill you for lighting a candle, but they are going to hassle you. you. If you remember, the Gemara earlier in Shabbat had said that the Chavrais come, when we learned about Hanukkah, they said that you could leave it on your table. You don't have to put it in the window. Remember that? Right. If it was the kind of a show, you wouldn't be able to do it at all. <clears throat> now, how do we know that Shata Dahak is different? The Ha'amalir of Kahana Rav Ashi, the Rav, Haki Hilkata? They asked Rav, is that really the Halakha? Ha'amalahu. Kedai Ud Mishimon, the smoke of Shata Dahak. He says, Mishimon is worth it that we can rely on him on a time of dark. So it sounds like he really holds like a Yehuda. And just Meshach HaDahak he'll go, which is the Chavrai, he'll go with the Shimon. So it is true. He does hold like a Yehuda. Is everyone with us over here? Yes. Good. So Rish Lakish is going to answer the question. Says the Gemara. We want to know what would Rabbi Shimon say about this thing, which means like this. We understand Rabbi Shimon. And I heard about Rabbi Shimon's opinion, how he doesn't agree with Muksa. And now that even though something was not planning to be used before Shabbat, it was planning to be set aside before Shabbat, I understand even though that's true, still, I understand that Rabbi Shimon allows you to move it on Shabbat. I got that. But would Rabbi Shimon even say such a thing in an instance where the guy with his own hands made it, made a move to say he's not using it? In other words, I understand he wasn't planning on using it, 
that's Rabbi Yehuda says it's Muksa, and Rabbi Shimon says it's not Muksa. But when Shimon continue and saying it's not Muksa, even if the guy deliberately said, I'm not using it on Yomtev, how do you say he's not using it? What's the case of that? Look, if I have wheat, she's an undercounter. The guy has wheat, and he planted it in the ground. And then it came up for some reason. So now he has the wheat that was planted before she buried it in the ground. It came up and it didn't it didn't hishrish. It didn't become um it didn't set roots yet. So that you were not planning to have it. You be a dying with your own hands, planted it. Or another case, you had an egg that you put under a hen in order that the egg should become a baby chicken. When you put an egg on the thing, you're planning not to eat it. And then your wife says, what about the eggs? We need eggs. So you went to go back and get the eggs. In that case, where you, in, with your own hand, put it under the chicken. Would Rav Shimon also say that's not Mukseh? When did Rabbi Shimon say, I don't hold that anything's muksa? That's when you didn't push it away with your own hands. But if you push it away with your hands, Rabbi Shimon holds a muksa. Oh, dear, maybe he'll say, Maybe Rabbi Shimon doesn't care. Maybe Rabbi Shimon just doesn't hold the muksa, doesn't hold the muksa, that's it. I don't care what you did with it, it's never muksa. That's the one thing I want to clarify. How far does Rabbi Shimon go? With his lack of muksa. Is everyone with me? Yes, okay, let's go by to Amarlay. So Yochanan answered his brother Loresh like he should go Harry. In, yes. And, I'm sorry. And muksa Rabbi Shimon. There is no muksa. Rabbi Shimon doesn't know what the word muksa means. There's no muksa. The only thing that muksa. Is the oil that was in the lamp at a time when it was lit? Ho'il Since it was separated for the mitzvah and separated for isur. Now let me explain what this means. Uh, it seems like this particular one means like this. When you have oil in the lamp, remember we had the case of the oil in the lamp? You have your lamp, which is your uh, basin holding oil, and some of the oil dripped out while it was lit. And the oil's on the floor. That oil, Rabbi Shimon does admit is muksa. Why? Because according to what the, why the, what the Gemara is saying now, the reason why Rabbi Shimon admits in that case is because it's got two reasons to be asur. Reason number one, is it's separated for a mitzvah. It was separated for the mitzvah of Shabbos candles. And you want to take that Shabbos candle stuff and use it for something else, you can't do that. That's one. Plus, it's also hooksil isur, it's used for a lighting a lit candle on Shabbat. And because it has those two factors together, they combine to allow Rabbi Shimon to agree to mitzvah. But... If you have only one of those, the Gemara right now thinks that Rabbi Shimon will not agree to Muksa. He only likes Shaman Shibaneh, which is the oil that dripped out of the Nair, because it's got a double bang. Now, the word, language of Gemara is which sounds like the one caused the other. 
But that's not, that can't be what the Gemara means. The Gemara is going to say that later in the Gemara. Okay, Jack? Good. Jack, you with me? Jack, I don't see a thumb. Good, beautiful. Says the Gemara. Ask the Gemara, oh yeah? Let le'hukzal mitzvatah? You want to tell me if Shimon does not agree with this concept that when you set aside something for a mitzvah, it's mukseh? What do you mean? What does he do with the b'risa? There's a b'risa in sukkah, famous b'risa in sukkah, which you guys should know, especially Urban, who learned sukkah. Right? It says in sukkah, if you cover your sukkah halachically, correctly, and you crowned it with colored clothes, or with sheets, which were printed, and you hang walnuts, persimmons, almonds, pomegranates, and clusters of dates, and you, you, you put, um, you put bottles of wheat, and you have glasses full with wine and oils hanging on the walls of your beautiful sukkah, Uslatot, and you also have fine flour. You can't decide if you have guests and one of them says, Hey, I was looking for Rimon, and you don't have, can't find one in the fridge. You can't just pull one, pluck one off the walls. And if you had in mind that before when you put it up, that if you need it, you'll take it off. I call the Vitano, everything goes back to tonight. But we see from this Risa. That there is such a thing as Mukseh Bakwat Mitzvah. And if Rishimon requires both of them, he should have allowed it as soon as Cholomoyed came. Because once Cholomoyed comes, it's only Mukseh Mitzvah. So why do we say it's Asur all seven days? In Asur Ad Motsay Yom Tovacharon, if Rishimon held to this. Holds of only double muksa. This is only a this is only a single muksa when it comes to cholamoyed. Why would he say they tesur till after shminat zedet? He should say it's muksa till cholamoyed. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Again, one more time. This is a case of a sukkah. You have beautiful things on the wall of the sukkah, and they're edible. You somebody wants to eat it. We said if you didn't make a tanai beforehand. You are now allowed to eat the pomegranate on the wall until Shemini Atzeret. Now, if what we're saying is true, that Reb Shimon needs two things to make it Asur. Number one, it has to be Muqsem Machmat Isur, which can only happen on Yom Tov Shabbat. And that has to be Muqsem so has to be separated from its spot. That's what we said by the Nair. Over here, yes, there's two things that make it Asur by Yom Tov Rishon. By the whole way, there's only one. It's not holiday at all. So how could it be a sort of Shminat Zeret? Obviously, Rishimun does hold of Muxel Mitzvato alone. Is that clear? Says the Gemara, no. We bring in our... What did you say, Irving? Irving, I'm waiting for you. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah, the Brighton, who said to Rabbi Shimon, can't you just argue on the Brighton? What? Uh, Rabbi Shimon, 
Rabbi Shimon is a Tana. Can he just be arguing on the Brighton? Correct. That's Rabbi what the Gemara is going to answer. Thank you very much. Who told you it was Rabbi Shimon who wrote the Brighton? Thank you, Irving. At least somebody's up here. Who told you it's Rabbi Shimon who wrote the Brighton? The Tanya of Chia Bar Yosef. You can't take word from a sukkah on Yom Tov. Only from whatever you are planning to use. Right? Only from something that's leaning on the wall. So if it's a regular holiday, you can't take wood from your sukkah to throw it into your fireplace. But, and Rishimon, that's it. But they both agree, B'Sukot Chag, Shia Sura, we acknowledge, but at the end of the line, I call it Peter Aron. So we see from here that Rishimon agrees that Sukkot, you're not allowed to take any etzim, even if it fell off. You see, the Rishimon says that it's Uksal Mitzvah, even though it's not Uksal for the Isura. He says that's so therefore, therefore we'll tell you that the writer, which says the only one, could have been him too. So it must have been he wrote the writer, and you see that it's enough. Says the Gemara. Ke'en Shem, what? What's that? No, we proved that the que- we proved the question is so. Well, the question was Irving's question. Who says to be Shimon? And the Quran is answering. We know it to be Shimon because there's a separate bright that where Bishimon is quoted as saying a similar law. By name. So we're still in the question. What's the story? Why did Bishimon say? How could you say Bishimon does needs two mixes? What do you mean? Here is only one and he still holds of it. What is it to say? Really, Rabbi Shimon only needs one muksa, not two. And when we said it's Shem and Shibaner, Ke'en Shem and Shibaner Kamrina, which means when we said it has to be like the Shimon of the Ner, that's what Shimon allows. Remember we said before, Amale, or Yochanan said, and Mukhsan Shimon We don't mean only Shimon Shimon, which has double, rather, it has to be similar to Shimon Shimon. Just like Shimon in the, in the candle was separated for a mitzvah, so to anything that's separated from mitzvah, Shimon admits that it's good. But it doesn't mean two things mitzvah and isur. Mitzvah alone, he agrees. That's all. So Rabbi Shimon will agree that you can take it out. Itmar Nami, I'll bring you another proof. Amar Bchir by Abba Amar Biochan, and Muksad Shimon El Ke'en Shem Shibinah, Bishad Shudolek. Oi, Luxal Mitzvah, Luxal Yisrael. Since it's Luxal Mitzvah, that's what Yisrael, he holds up even just one of them. Okay. Amar Bihuda Amar Shmuel, and Muksad Shimon El Gogot Mitzimukim Bilvad. Here's a new opinion of what Rosh Hashim holds. Before we said he only had, he only held of 
Ke'en Shemit Shebener. Now, another rabbi is saying, the only thing that he says that sort is Gorgot Utsimukim. Now, Gorgot Utsimukim are dried figs and raisins. It seems like in the way you make dried figs and raisins is you take grapes or fresh figs and you carry them up to your roof and you put them on the roof to dry. Now, fresh figs and fresh grapes are delicious to eat. Dried figs and dried grapes are delicious to eat. Grapes in between becoming raisins and figs and being fresh in the in-between stage, they're inedible or almost inedible. So, according to Yudav Shmuel, the only thing that Rashimon admits is Moksev is figs that were put up on the roof to dry. Why? Because as soon as you put them up there, they become ruined, and they're not fit until they get completely dry. And therefore, since you know that you're not going to be able to use them, you put it out of your mind, and therefore, Bishimon admits in that case that it is Asur. As the Gemara, you mean there's nothing else that he admits this? <clears throat> Books of if a guy is eating tanim and he has leftover figs, he has a bag of figs and he has leftover. the guy, he says, Oh, I have leftover 20 figs. Let me bring them up to my roof to dry them. go to make dry figs. he's eating grapes, both he has extra. the guy up to the roof to make raisins. He can't eat them on Shabbat unless he had in mind from before Shabbat is going to eat them. The same thing for persimmons and chabushim uh, and all types of other types of, of fruits. Mani, who could be the author? If you want to say the authors of Yehuda of this brighter, who says this word? Even if you didn't put it on your roof, he holds that it could be muksa, right? Which means Rabbi Yehuda agrees, says that even if you just put it in the storage house, it's muksa. So surely you, he would hold that you put it on your roof, it's muksa. We wouldn't need you to tell us that. And so you see, there Shimon allows not just not just grapes and figs, but even other killing like persimmons. So how can you tell me it's only only figs and raisins? Look, you see Shimon, this must have written by Shimon, and yet yet he doesn't allow persimmons. Mar says, no, really wasn't. Really the authors of Yehuda. So what do we need you to tell me this case? Oh, I mean, I know it already. Why do you have to tell me that? That's obvious. Because you might think it's different here because the guy was actually eating the grapes. I would have thunk. Since he's walking as he's carrying them up to the roof. You shouldn't have to have it in mind from before Shabbat. You got that, Jack? In other words, like this. Normally, when you're putting these grapes on your roof, if you're carrying them up to the roof to put them to dry, you're showing you don't want it. Rabbi Shimon for sure would say no. So what's the point of mentioning this? If it's a Yudah who owns even your storage house, no good. Obviously, he's not going to let the roof. 
Mars says, no, here it's different. You know why? Because here, since you were taking a few bites as you were carrying it up the steps, so you're in a way showing that you do not want to separate them and you're planning to eat from it. So since you were showing you want to believe it, you might have thunk that the, that, that negates you bringing it up to the roof and that would right. make it not mukse according to Buddha. So therefore, we have to tell you this case to teach you it anyway, even though we know Buddha being so strict. But in the outside case, we still have to tell you this as well. Are we clear? Yeah. Okay. So Shimon Barabi asked Rebbe the following question. Let's turn to him. Now, these Tzili Tamra are, we had it, I believe, in Berachot and Ketam Varchim. These are um, figs or dates. I think they were called Bishulei Karma then. They were dates that fell off the tree unripe. And they're not so good for eating at this point. They're like semi-ripe. And it's normal to dry them in order to make them edible. So these things, according to Nabi Shimon, who doesn't hold the muksa, mahu, what's the law? When you're bringing that up to the roof, do we say, oh, you're bringing those up to the roof? They're for sure muksa. Because they're very tough to eat. Or not. Amale, Amale told him back, he only holds that Gogot and Simokim are Mukseh. Why? Because they have two reasons. Number one, you, you pushed it with your hand up to the roof. You're showing that you don't want to eat from it. And also, now they're not fit. But Batsuli Tamra, which were not pushed off with your hands, they're not automatically Mukseh. Now, that was a question that was asked to Rebbe. So we're assuming that Rebbe, because he said that Rebbe Shimon only holds a muksa by raisins and figs, since he said raisins and figs, we're assuming that not only is he quoting Rebbe Shimon like that, but he himself holds like that. Gemara is going to ask, is that true that Rebbe doesn't hold a muksa like Rabbi Shimon? Rebbe let the muksa? Does Rebbe not hold a muksa? But didn't we learn to the Mishnah? And mashkin v'shochtin et ha-midvariot ava mashkin v'shochtin et vaitot. This is talking about on Yom Tov. Now, on Yom Tov, you're allowed to shecht an animal on Yom Tov if you follow the rules. However, and you're allowed to you bring food, bring water to the animal to drink. That's only if it's an animal that you might slaughter on Yom Tov. But if it's a midbariot, which is a semi-wild animal, people used to, in the olden days brand their animals. With, with, it says, you know, the animal would say, Jamur Ranch, right? We, we brand it so everyone knows it is. And then allow it the whole winter, the whole summer, to go and eat they eat graze in the in the public properties and they'll get them back after the summer. So those type of animals, if you see a Jamur cow and you say, you know something? This Jamur cow that was rambling around would be perfect for my Roshana meal. I'll make steak. You know, you're not allowed to shecht it. Why? 
because since it was in the Midbar, so it wasn't really available for you at the time. So it's a little bit like muksa, because you weren't thinking that you're going to eat this cow on Yom Tov because it was in the Midbar. So those animals are muksa. And then when they asked Rebbe, Rebbe said that the animal's muksa, and you can't shaft it. So you see, uh, the writer says, Elohim Midbariot, what are the one of the Midbariot? Call Shiotzot Pesach. If they leave the the the, the corral on Pesach, Vinichlesot, and they come back to the corral, but at the first rain. So if they come, if they leave on Pesach and they come back six months later in Cheshvan or seven months later in Cheshvan, that's called the Midbariot. Vaitot, what's called a, a house one? If every night they come back to sleep within the within the city limits, that's considered a domesticated one. Rabbi says, either way, if they come back at all, they consider domesticated ones, then they're allowed to be cut. These are the midbar, these are the wild ones. If they don't come back ever, not in the winter, not in the summer, that's a midbar that you're not allowed to shech. But anything that comes back at all, Rebbe says you're allowed to shech. But you see from this that Rebbe himself holds that could be something muksa. If you have an animal that's out there and never comes back, Rebbe says, even though it has the same Jamor Sanford as he holds it's muksa. So you see, and Rebbe does hold the muksa. Why do you say Rebbe doesn't hold the muksa? Because you, Rebbe explained Rebbe Shimon. Obviously, Rebbe does hold the muksa. So we have three possible ways to dance our way out of this Rebbe's theorem. Evite Ema. If I want, I'll tell you the first answer. When Rebbe said the only thing that Rebbe Shimon holds a muksa are dates drying dates and drying raisins because you really can eat them. Well, these madriyot are the same thing. They're also like not edible because they don't come back. That's answer number one. And therefore, everything is fine. If I want to give you a second answer, I can say. When he says that when he asked him, what does Rup Shimon hold by these dates that came off the tree early? He just answered what Rabbi Shimon holds. He's not holding what he holds. He really holds that there's more, there is muksa. And that's why the Mizvayot is muksa. Why did he tell him about that, that, that it's not muksa? Because he's explaining what Rabbi Shimon said, but he doesn't hold it. And here's number two. If I want, give me answer number three. He's not saying his own words. He's saying with when he says that you can't check the Mizvayot, he was just explaining that he holds you can check anything you want because he was on the muksa. Why did he say only shecht the baito? Because he was explaining, he was arguing according to Rabbanan. What does that mean? He's really telling them, I don't hold the muksa at all. But you who hold the muksa, hold the limit, at least admit to me, admit to me. And if it comes back, even if it comes back on Sukkot, then it's a domesticated animal. And you, even you should admit that it's mutar. Either way, I have three possible ways out. Possible way number one is that the are like raisins. Number two is 
you misunderstood the first statement of Rosh Hashanah, and number three is you misunderstood the second statement of Rosh Hashanah. Okay? Beautiful. Amara, with me, everyone? Yeah. yeah. Awesome, let's go. Amara, Rabbi Yochanan. Amru, they said, The follows of Shimon that there is no Muxi. Ask the Gemara. Umi, Amara, Rabbi Yochanan. What, Rabbi Yochanan really say like Rabbi Shimon? An old man, either from Karuya or Surya, asked Yochanan the following question. Can you have a chicken nest? Can you move the chicken nest on Shabbat? What did you make? What are the chicken nests for? They're only to, to serve chickens. Now, they, they mean that since, we assume that it means, that since it's separated from the chicken, it's miuchad fi tasur. So you see that he holds a moksa, right? Because he's saying it's only for the chicken. If it's only for the chicken, you can't move it. So it's moksa. Where he answers, here, what are we dealing with? The eat bear It's got a dead chick in it. When there's a dead chick in it, the dead chick became moksa because it's not fit for anyone. And therefore, that's why you can't move it. But, you, but you're right. The fact that it's set aside doesn't make it muksa. The only reason why it's muksa, when Rishmon disagrees with muksa, it means he disagrees with muksa, which is the type of muksa where you put your mind off it. That muksa doesn't agree with. But the muksa of dead animals, that he does agree with, therefore it's not a problem. Harry, are you with me? Yeah. Good. Versus, that makes sense. The more bar meimar, mishmei dera rava de amar modei hayav shimon b'balei chayim shemetu shasurim. If you say Shimon agrees by dead animals, then it fits cool. Elaman b'rabbi Yosef mishmei dera rava de amar. According to this rabbi who says cholek shimon af b'balei chayim shemetu shemuturim ayikamimar. But according to the rabbi who says that Shimon says that dead animals are also not mukseh. What would you say? So I'll say like this. We're talking about one that has a egg in it that was laid on Yom Tov. Everyone agrees that a betza was laid on Yom Tov is mukseh. It's a different type of mukseh, and that's why Rishimon would agree. Okay, we're going to stop right here, Rabbi Tai. Baruch Hashem Olam. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thanks, Rabbi. Rabbi. Thanks, Rabbi. Yes. Bye bye. I have a question. Um, tomorrow's my son's birthday. He's turning three. We didn't cut his hair. Um, I know it's the Omer. What do I? What do I do? Okay. So that's a good question. Did you ever do? You ever had this minhag before of leaving it, leaving the hair? Uh, he, well, we he, he didn't cut his hair. He's turning three tomorrow. Okay. So, so some people, when they they do it specifically like the Omer. Uh, it's a, this is a custom I ended up doing with my kid, which means I left my kid's hair also. And I usually do it the third year live Omer. Third year live Omer, okay. Which, which would be another, it's May 12th. That's usually right, that's what you do. Hopefully your corona's over and then you can bring it to the rabbi and they can cut the hair. And yeah, stuff. I would love to give them to you, Zat Hashem, after, after the whole coronavirus. I wish okay. I could. I, I would love to do it. Hopefully, it'll be will be over, and you'll bring him right over. We'll cut that hair. So wait till I go home, Harry. Okay.
Okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks. Thank you. All right, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.